0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live Inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: It is so good to finally say it's summer. Yay! It just finally happened about a week ago where you can officially say it is summer. Between the 21st of June and the summer solstice and all that good stuff, and the hot weather that's accompanying it. But you know what else is summer here? Well, at least in northern Indiana... It does. It's the Elkhart Jazz Festival, and we have a favorite, someone who's been coming to it, a prodigy. He started coming when he was a teenager. He's a clarinetist, um, actually a virtuoso at the clarinet, and he also plays five other instruments and sings like a charm. Dave Bennett is uh, attending the festival for the 20th year. We're going to hear about him and his life and all that he's done. But first, we're going to hear from Dr. Greg Hammer. And Dr. Greg Hammer is so many things. Be Besides being a pediatric cardiologist, anesthesiologist, I think I've gotten all those in there. He has also written a book called Gain Without Pain. And this is going to offer you a three-minute practice every morning to get your mind and body and spirit on the right track for the rest of your day. Just three minutes. That's all it takes if you hear his wonderful advice. Dr. Greg Hammer coming up. And then, of course, good news stories with Jimmy Dean or my friend Jim Cleefield. He always goes out and finds the good things happening in the world. And so we look forward to that. It's all being brought to you by the great people at Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. Balance of Nature, hey, I know, we we tend to get some more vegetables in our diet, don't we, in the summer? Because a lot of farm stands are open. People love to get the farm to table types of fresh vegetables and fruits that are available. And it does make it easier to get those 10 servings every day. But even with that, Most of us, believe it or not, only get around three servings. With all of our really trying hard uh, to eat well, it just isn't easy to do. That's where balance of nature comes into play. Fills in the gap, so to speak, so that you can hit your 10 servings a day of fresh fruits and vegetables. And it does it in just the most natural of ways. It's just food inside these capsules, and it helps you live the maximum Life of Nutrition, and it's available where they sell Balance of Nature, and that's the company itself. Balance of Nature, easy to find at their website, balanceofnature.com. And make sure when you order yours and get on sort of a monthly thing so it arrives and you don't have an excuse to say, no, I'm not going to have my fruits and vegetables this month. It comes once a month and you get your variety of 31 fruits and vegetables when you take three and three of the capsules every day. Go to balanceofnature.com again. Put my name into the promo code. It's Laura. Very easy, L-A-U-R-A. Put Laura in the promo code. You're going to get 35% off your first order and free shipping always. When we come back, Dr. Greg Hammer from Stanford University with Gain Without Pain, a wonderful three-minute practice to get your life off to a wonderful start each and every day. Don't go away. It's the way home.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: It's great to be with everybody, and um, it's always good, I think, when you can find something that is it looks like it's simple and easy in steps, and you can bring it into your everyday life and make a big difference in a short amount of time. Dr. Greg Hammer is here from Stanford University. He's a professor there. He's also a physician. He's a best-selling author and a mindfulness expert, and he's going to share a three-minute strategy to help you manage stress, increase your resilience, set your mindset for the day. His book is called Gain Without Pain. That sounds like a good prescription to me. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us on the way home today.
2: Wonderful to be with you, Laura.
1: I love this. Um you know, We try to do things, obviously, in, in quicker ways, but I think it's important because, especially when it comes to something like meditation, which a lot of people, like me, the idea is just, it sounds so good, and I've probably been saying to myself for 25 years, I am going to start meditating, <laughs> and I... I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And I think it's because I'm thinking that I'm going to have to sit there for a half an hour or so, an hour, to really allow myself to get the benefits of it. But, you know, with life the way it is and the busyness of life, I what I do is I just put things off. But your wonderful method is just so, it's pithy and it, it makes sense and it's easy to the extent that I think people can say to themselves, I can fit this in, whether I'm at the office, whether I just get up in the morning, whether I'm going to bed, maybe I want to try this. Um, Let's talk about these wonderful, this three-minute strategy. Is it really three minutes? Because that's like the cooking thing for me that says, you know, rice in a minute and an hour later, I'm still trying to figure out how to make it.
2: Well, I love the way you put that in the beginning, Laura, that it's great to have a practice that you can really not only put your arms around, but maybe put your hands around And one thing I've learned in 30-plus years of teaching is that if you really want to get something across, keep it simple. And when I give lectures, they might be a 50-minute lecture with 10 minutes for questions and answers. I commit myself to really making three points that people can take home and remember. And so when I was devising this GAIN method, I was imagining what What is it that I could remember? And, you know, I, I've read Deepak Chopra and others, and there's the seven steps of this or the 12 ways of that, and I studied Buddhism in university and set similar. You know, you, you had to remember 10 or 12 steps or mm. ways on the path, etc. especially in Sanskrit. But even in English, that's too many for me to remember. So I, I really focused on what are the essential ingredients to happiness. And I came up with four, and they are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So, gain is an acronym, an acronym for those four elements: gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment.
1: And I love those. I think they're they're deep and and yet they're practical. So I'd like to break them down, even though it's a three-minute exercise for us to do every day. I want to break this down really in a way that so people can understand what the benefit will be when they do put it into practice for three minutes a day. But I'd like to really hear what you have to say with your years of experience, first of all, as, as a doctor, also as a speaker and a writer and all the myriad things that you do. Um, the very first one, gratitude, love it love the concept, but tell me why is gratitude number
2: one? I would answer that by saying it's empirically clear to us that gratitude is an essential ingredient to happiness. And if we just do the simple thought experiment of picturing somebody that we know or maybe we've seen in a documentary who is poor and happy, Or physically challenged and happy. I think we've seen examples of those. And yet we've not seen an example in all likelihood of somebody who's ungrateful and happy. So that, I think, is a very tangible way of acknowledging that gratitude is really essential to happiness. And and another fact is that almost all religious and other spiritual and uh even traditions, embrace gratitude as being an essential ingredient. So whether you're uh, asked to journal that for which you're grateful, or simply in my case, I'm not a journaler. I've tried it, and I can't really stick to writing things down in that sense. Uh, so I just have a daily practice of acknowledging that for which I'm grateful. So that's the beginning of the Gain Meditation. Acceptance is... really all about the fact that pain is inexorably part of life. I think that pain and joy have a certain symmetry in our lives. And if we try to ignore the pain, if we try to resist it, it increases our suffering. There's a a formula in the book, and we love formulas in medicine, of course. Suffering equals pain times resistance. So the pain is there. If we resist it, if we push it away, if we submerge it, if we try to never think about it, then our suffering is increased because resistance is the opposite of acceptance. So if we accept the pain and bring it into our heart, and we do that intentionally in this practice, our suffering is diminished. And I kind of sometimes picture uh, Jesus on the cross with stakes through his hands and feet, how much pain he must have been in. But I imagine anyway that he had fully accepted the pain and his human existence, and therefore did not suffer in the end. So suffering equals pain times resistance. If your resistance is lowered to zero, then your suffering is lowered to zero. So the acceptance is so important. And you know, for example, the serenity prayer would have it that we need to discern between what we can change and what we cannot change, and have the wisdom to accept what we cannot change. The I is intention, and we can talk about that a little bit more. But unless we have intentionality, unless we're purposeful about the way we think and experience, we're going to lapse into the ways that our brains are hardwired over tens of thousands of years of evolution. And that includes having a negativity bias, remembering the negative and and forgetting the positive, and also being very distracted with the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive and having the inability to be present, which is where happiness lives. So we have to have a plan if we're going to rewire our brains. And that's what the game practice is all about. And then finally, the N is non-judgment. And we're constantly judging things around us, and especially ourselves. And with our negativity bias, those judgments are often uh, negative. And particularly, our self-judgment is often very harsh and leads to unhappiness, low self-esteem, shame, etc. So Gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment, I think, are really the four pillars that support our mental and spiritual health.
1: Absolutely. And and I would say um, that's like the tip of the iceberg, I would imagine, because once you start this practice of acknowledging these... Now, when you say this is a three-minute practice, do you go through the list of what the gratitude, the intention, the acceptance, and the non-judgment? Do you go through each of those and do you dwell on them for as long as as you want and and you know what if what if one morning you're sitting and you just can't think of what you're grateful for i can't imagine that because <laughs> i try to seriously i mean i t- i try to practice gratitude all the time because i just notice that it does absolutely make you happier so is it it's something that you just kind of fleetingly touch on i know you say it's a 3 minute exercise but it can take longer if you so desire, correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know I, these are the sort of minimum commitment, I guess, is three minutes. Um, so uh, we can just I can just talk you through it quickly. Um, I think it's best to be done in the morning, and the reason is that when we have a morning practice, we get the benefit of that all day. And this is really about rewiring our brains, and that's not going to happen overnight. Our brains became wired this way over tens of thousands of years of evolution. So we're just going to take baby steps each day. But the idea is to associate our old ways of thinking and its experiencing with having a light bulb go off so that our thoughts are redirected in a positive manner. So we get up in the morning, we open the blinds, hopefully there's some sunlight, maybe not in the winter, but uh, open the blinds, get a look outside, do our morning hygiene thing. And then we're going to find a comfortable place to sit. As you suggested about meditation, many people do think that you have to sit still for 30 or even 60 minutes without moving, without scratching an itch, and and most difficult of all, banishing all thoughts from your mind. Mm-hmm. That's not uh, necessarily part of meditation. So I'm going to give you this three-minute practice where you're actually going to guide your thoughts. So you're going to have thoughts. I think it's it's not possible for us to have no thoughts, at least most of us. So We sit in a comfortable place. We first close our eyes and we notice our breath, and we're gonna breathe with intention. So we're gonna slow down the inhalation, breathe slowly to a count of three, in through our nose, pause to a count of three, and then slowly let the breath go through the nose or mouth to a count of four. So in to three, pausing for three, and out to a count of four. That's 10 seconds if each count is a second, and that means our breathing rate is six per minute. When we slow our respiratory rate down like that, we activate our parasympathetic nervous system, and that's the side of our nervous system that counters the sympathetic or fight or flight side of our nervous system that's associated with an increased heart rate, blood pressure, adrenaline, cortisol. So we're slowing that down. We're lowering our heart rate. We're lowering our blood pressure. We're decreasing the amount of adrenaline and cortisol in our blood. So we're going to notice our breath, breathing into our belly, slowly pausing and slowly letting it go. And then we're just going to spend 30 or 40 seconds contemplating that for which we're grateful. And we all, I know sometimes we forget about gratitude, but it's pretty easy to spend 30 or 40 seconds thinking about things for which we're grateful. It could be our loved ones, our friends, our family, our community, In my case, it's the work that I do, which I think is a privilege. I'm so grateful to be able to serve others and help children and their families. Uh, Our relative good health. So, you know, we get out of bed in the morning and we often start thinking about negative thoughts, little ache and pain here and there. But in fact, that, that our bodies work as well as they do is a miracle. So we're grateful for the miracle of the health that we have. We're grateful for being on the right side of the grass today. So that is sufficient. That will easily take 30 or 40 seconds and longer if you choose, if you have more than three minutes. We transition to acceptance. And here we actually envision, as we deep, slow uh, breathe, slowly and deeply, something uncomfortable. For me, it starts with my son, who I lost at the age of 29, six years ago. So I may take that experience and I actually imagine bringing it closer and closer and opening my chest and opening my heart and bringing this uncomfortable or painful experience into my heart and actually enveloping it and nurturing it with my heart and sitting with that as I, again, focus on the the deep, slow breathing and just allowing that sensation. And what we usually find is it's not as bad as we might have thought when we were resisting it. And then we move on to intention. And we recognize that, again, we have to be purposeful in everything in our life if we want to be truly happy. And let's just start with the way we think. So spend 10 or 15 seconds simply experiencing your physical sensation. So notice the feeling of the chair against the body. Notice the tingling of the soles on the bottom of our feet. Notice the slightly sweet smell of the air that we breathe as we take it in slowly, pause and let it out slowly. Notice something we may be hearing in the background. I'm, I'm in between San Francisco and San Jose International Airport, so I often hear an airplane go by in the background and it's kind of beautiful, you know, the way we get that little Doppler effect, the increasing in frequency and decreasing in frequency as it flies away off in the distance. It's just teaching us to... Learn how to notice what's happening in this moment. And during that 10 seconds, we're not thinking about the list of things we have to do later today or something we said or did yesterday that we're embarrassed about. So spend 10 or 15 seconds noticing your current sensations and then remind yourself of the pledge to think of the positive side of everything and just breathe with that. And then go to N or non-judgment and A simple thing to do here again for 40 or 45 seconds. Picture one of these lovely NASA images of the Earth, apparently suspended in space. And we can remind ourselves, the Earth is beautiful, but it's just a planet. It's neither good nor bad. Things don't have to be good or bad. And then we direct our attention to ourselves. It's only logical that I am simply a human being. I'm just a person. I'm the person that I am. I'm neither good nor bad. I'm just the person that I am. And then we can just rest into this I amness." I am, and link that to our slow, deliberate, deep breath. And we cycle that a few more times, noticing the breath, slowing it down. And then we slowly open our eyes and we're ready to go out in the world. And that can take three minutes, might take four or five minutes. You could take longer if you want, but it is in essence as little as a three minute practice. And then, when we go out in the world and we find that we get in our car, we're driving to work, there's a guy in the lane next to us on the right, and he kind of moves ahead of us into our lane without using his turn signal. And we start to make all these judgments about that driver. Mm-hmm. A little light bulb goes off, and we remind ourselves that we pledge to be non judgmental today. And so we have a little smile to ourselves, and we get a little dopamine hit at the silliness of our human nature. And instead of an unpleasant experience, it turns into a little self amusement, a little dopamine hit, a rather pleasant experience. And so the the benefit of doing this in the morning is that we will have those light bulb moments during the day when we're being ungrateful or resisting or lapsing into our old habits, ways of thinking. And the more we do this practice, the more days and weeks the more quickly these light bulb moments come. And so we're linking our thought process to you know, the, the gain practice and our breathing. So we're walking down the hall, we're feeling tense. Just focus on the breath again. Slow it down as we're walking, we're going to a meeting, we're a little anxious, we're meeting with our boss. Slow the breathing down, breathe into the belly, through the nose, pause, let it go. And then all these gain elements and all these positive thoughts and experiences come back to us. It's very Pavlovian. You, you might remember the Pavlov's dog experiment where a bell chimed and the dogs got food. And then pretty soon after days and weeks, the bell chimed and there was no food, but the dogs were salivating anyway. They just linked this response to the chiming of the bell. And, and we can do the same thing with our, with our minds.
1: I love it. You know, in its simplicity, it's extremely profound what you're saying and the results of it and practicing it. And yet it is easy to remember. I love the word gain. It has that, that light-filled sort of positivity about it that you're going to acquire something wonderful for yourself. And it keeps those into perspective the gratitude the acceptance the intention and the non-judgment see i'm already memorizing these because i i'm going i want to be pavlov's dog i want to use these all throughout the day i think it's just such a beautiful thing because mindset really has something to do with it over the past probably 40 years i've studied metaphysics and different um different spiritual modalities and practices and you know the art of being able to be grateful in all things. That that comes from Christianity. Jesus said, "In all things, give thanks." I've learned that you can't wait until all the so-called good things that you're hoping for your life happen before you're happy. You be happy for them before you even see the evidence of them, and that's the faith that goes in. So i I just I love how this really trains you to just kind of go there and that acceptance. It's something that we we don't really we'd like to practice it for others and we strive to do that but to do that with oneself on a daily basis is is it's not easy even just turning inward so these are beautiful beautiful easy steps and with your vast experience again you're a pediatric physician correct is that one of the practices that you have in medicine
2: yes no i'm a pediatric cardiac anesthesiologist and intensive care physician
1: wow you talk about needing to slow down the breath to to get focused you've had so much experience um in these crucial environments and and moments of life that coming from you this makes all the sense in the world so do you, is it something that you say that you do actually just without even thinking now is it really part of your your daily life
2: Yes. I mean, I do think about it. I get up and I literally open the blinds. I literally go do my morning hygiene thing. And then I have a place to sit. I have a meditation room. Sometimes I just sit on the bench in my bedroom. It doesn't matter. Um, I'll sit in the chair in my office here sometimes. And yes, no, it's something I do every morning first thing. And it's, uh, it's just so easy. And it's kind of like brushing your teeth or what have you. It just becomes a good habit and and then the benefits of that come every day.
1: I have a question um before we close. I have a question about the acceptance piece of gain, the second one there. Acceptance and you're talking about be being able to kind of set with whatever pain and th- and I'm assuming you're talking about physical pain or or psychological emotional pain. Is it is it for both?
2: Absolutely. Okay.
1: And then but to sit with it what are the results of doing that? Because uh, you you brought up your, your son and um, losing him at age 29. And what does that do to you when when you confront things that cause you pain? I would think a lot of people might want to avoid that step and go right to the intention or the non-judgment. But that part of it, would, would you say that it actually helps to heal oneself or to... Um, just help in any way? What what has been your experience with it?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's essential to the healing process because what happens when you think of something painful or uncomfortable, if you're not intentional, the first reaction that your body has is to tense up and your chest and your abdominal muscles contract and you're not able to breathe deeply even if you're not thinking about it. We sometimes go a whole day without taking a really cleansing, deep, uh, revitalizing breath. So we, we our muscles tense up when we think of something unpleasant and we try not to think about it and that actually leads to more tension. So, you know, thinking about the death of a loved one is maybe too big a bite for people in the beginning. So just think of something minor and you mentioned physical discomfort. Okay. So my, I had chronic back pain for 10 years and then I had a fantastic operation and I'm totally fine now, but for 10 years I had to just I often incorporated that pain as part of the A and game, the acceptance practice, and just became the observer of my leg hurting, which I knew was coming from my spine, and just be the observer of it, relax into it and not resist it, not fret over it. Just allow it. And even that made the pain less. So yes, start with something that's bite-sized and manageable. And as we develop more capacity for acceptance, we can take on more and more challenging sensations, emotions, experiences.
1: That's absolutely wonderful. I urge everyone to get Dr. Greg Hammer's book, Gain Without Pain. And it just I, I feel very happy about Hearing all you've had to share about this because it, I believe it to be true because I can see it in your face. No one else can see you because I'm on zoom with you, but, um, it's, it's obviously something that, um, is a tried and true practice. And I think everyone is going to be willing to, I mean, for three minutes a day, it's a great place to start. And, but it sounds like it could have really lasting benefits for anyone of any, any religion, any profession, any, situation in their lives so pain, gain without pain is the book you can find it wherever books are sold dr hammer
2: yes you can find it on amazon and my website uh one of my websites is simply greghammermd.com, g-r-e-g-h-a-m-m-e-r-m-d.com and there's a link to the book there as well as lots of information media so i think that our interview will be on my site at some point so yeah there's lots of lots of things there
1: well, I truly appreciate it, and you and your wonderful work, and I know my listeners have it as well. Thank you so much, greghammermd.com, to find Gain Without Pain. Much gratitude to you, doctor.
2: Wonderful to be with you, Laura, anytime.
1: You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith.
1: mine has been playing music and is a good friend to uh, people who love jazz and rockabilly and any kind of music, for that matter, all over the country and the world. And uh, he happens to be coming back for an anniversary, the Big 20, at the Elkhart Jazz Festival, um, all happening this weekend. And um, Dave Bennett, from the first time I saw him, my first time going to the Jazz Festival, which was just three years ago when I moved here, he was the very first musician that I saw at the Wellfield Gardens. He opened up the festival and I was absolutely, I I just went crazy. I couldn't believe this person's incredible music and his performance style and i was just like i was saying to my friends who is this person and uh it comes out that he is truly um the favorite here in elkhart and at the jazz festival every year so i'm so grateful to have him back on my show and uh talking all things music and his great life Uh, dave thank you so much for being here on the way home
3: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So, 20 years. I mean, you're not you're barely out of your 20s actually. I know you're in your 30s. <laughs> how do you how do you get 20 years under your belt and you're like literally in your 30s? You've been playing here since you were basically what, a teenager?
3: Yeah, I mean the very first time I played in Elkhart I was I was 17. It was my senior year of high school. But then when I made the first appearance to the festival I was 19. And I don't know, you know everybody's really Treated me like family all these years, and I've watched the festival really pick up speed each year, it seems. And uh, I don't know, it's it's really my second home. Everybody's just always been so wonderful, and it's it's really the highlight of my year to come back, and I'm eternally grateful for how well they've always treated us. Wonderful.
1: Well, it helps that you're a prodigious and amazing musician, honestly, uh you're not just a clarinetist. You're a clarinet virtuoso. And not only that, but you play about six other instruments as well. And you sing like an absolute, you know, a beautiful voice. Um, I, I, I think I, when I well, try to describe you, yeah, when I describe you to people, I'm, I say like he's a cross between Elvis and Chris Isaac. And you kind of put them together and you get Dave Bennett. Uh, but but it's, it's yeah, it, it's really a beautiful, beautiful voice that you have. However, people really know you for the clarinet but then there you are playing the piano, a la Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, when you're backwards and your feet or you're playing it with your feet even. I mean I saw this at the first uh you know, the opening of the jazz festival three years ago and I said, Oh my gosh, who is this guy? And so you obviously have been playing music your whole life. Um when did you start? You were you were young, right?
3: Yeah, I started fifth grade band, ten years old. You know, and um took band all the way through school, but I started playing professionally when I was about 13. And then I started on the road when I was about 14. So it's, you know, it's, it's been wonderful.
1: Well, that's, but you see a lot of kids, you know, join the band and it's wonderful. I think I wish more people would be involved in music at a young age like that, but how do you go from just starting in the band and then touring at 14? Obviously there's something about your ability and was the clarinet what you played in the band? Is that the instrument you chose?
3: Yeah, um, I, it was. Yeah, and I—that's I, what I primarily did in my performances up until my you know early twenties. And I learned piano and guitar throughout my teens, but clarinet's what always what I, what I focused on pretty much. And um, I, you know, I, just being kind of an introvert. As, as a young young boy, I, I spent all my time practicing, and then when I didn't practice, I was thinking about it. So, uh, you know, it just kind of picks up steam that way. You, you try to better yourself as a player, and before you knew it, some opportunities started presenting themselves. And I, I had my teachers and um, and colleagues that were, that were much older than me that had been in the business a long time that provided those those places for me to walk through. And so I always had good guidance with me. Um, I was, yeah, I was always kind of protected by, by an older, older generation. And uh, that's what made everything very smooth. You know, it wasn't like I was with a bunch of people my age where it was just a bunch of craziness. I always had good people, good people kind of keeping an eye out for me.
1: Well, they obviously saw something in you. I mean, you know, it it doesn't take much to, to know that your your talent is kind of a, a whole different level. And not only that, but when you say, you know, you were able to tour with the older guys and, and gals and things like that, I think a lot of it is you, you're like an old soul. When when you watch you play, you feel like you're looking or watching a Benny Goodman or something. Like, you have <laughs> such a grasp of that, that music from that era. I find it hard to imagine, like, a kid who's 12 and 13. Teen, you know, being interested in, let alone being able to play that level of of music like Benny Goodman and such. So I guess you were you attracted to that? Was that something your parents played it in the house all the time? Like, how did you get so into, you know, kind of an older genre of music?
3: I was drawn to it. Um, you know, prior to playing music, I I used to like to watch old movies. I loved Abbott and Costello and, and the old ones, and so that swing music was heard in those new, in those movies, and that I was attracted to it. I, I liked the sound. I liked the way it made me feel. And then when I started playing clarinet, my grandparents they bought me my first clarinet, which was they bought one at a local pawn shop because you know they, I mean no one knew if if I would like it or take to it. But within that same week, they bought me a cassette tape of Benny Goodman, just, you know, thinking that I would get a, a thrill out of hearing what this instrument could do. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but I just remember that changed my life. I, it was, The music was so, it created so much joy in me, and it, it so, I was so passionate about it. And, I mean, I don't know how a 10-year-old knows this. I didn't know there was a chance that you couldn't. Make it in music, but I just knew that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I didn't know if I could or couldn't. You know, when you're that young, you don't know <laughs> what obstacles life can throw at you. But I just knew I feel I felt like I, I found my slot in life. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, so it's it's just been great. I mean, when you know when I play, I'm I'm just the happiest guy in the world. It's just great,
1: and it's infectious. Watching you is sheer joy. It's sheer joy. It is, like, so highly energized, but even when you're playing some of the slower stuff, some of the things that you've actually written your on your own, so you, yes, you do have all this wonderful um, music from those, you know, from the Benny Goodman Times to, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, and then even rock and roll and uh, rockabilly, and you've got all these abilities to kind of swing between all those uh, different genres, as I said before, but then You've also written your own music, and it has uh-huh. a, an incredible quality to it as well. Beautiful, I mean, your song "Blood Moon" is like one of my all-time favorites. But you have so many. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, they're they're gorgeous, and I would even say they lean more towards the the smooth jazz format, which I for me is my favorite of all time. That was the first uh, radio station <laughs> I ever worked at. I was a smooth jazz jock and uh, mm-hmm. I got I just fell in love with that music and you, you, can, do, you can do anything. I guess that's the point. <laughs> but it's all beautiful and all, all great. So you have a new album out um, Nowhere mm-hmm. Fast and mm-hmm. it has some beautiful originals on there and uh, when you sing also, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, he's not just a musician, he's a singer as well. And um, Your voice is just so rich and, um, again, influenced by, was I correct in saying Elvis and uh, Chris Isaac?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're they're a couple of my favorites. Orbison, you know, of course, nobody can sing like Orbison, but those guys, those three guys are are really, uh, really big influences on me.
1: Roy Orbison. Yeah. So um, you, you tour all over the country all the time. Have you been overseas yet?
3: I was overseas once, and that was in 2008. I went to Bern, Switzerland, uh, with some of Benny Goodman's guys. I went with Bucky Pizzarelli, who used to perform at the Elkhart Festival every year. Um, Peter Appleyard, um, uh, Terry Clark, Dave Young. I mean, it, it was a really incredible band. But I'd love to get overseas again. Um, you know, I've been trying to find a way to to get my foot in the door over there, but. Um, I guess all good things in time, you know. But you Yeah, know, it was wonderful. I, I, I loved it.
1: Your, I know your grandmother is Japanese. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, let me tell you, the Japanese absolutely love jazz. And uh, you know, I can, I can so hear you playing it. Maybe the Blue Note in you know, Tokyo or something. Cause uh, oh,
3: that'd, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah they would eat your music that. up.
1: I tell you, they sure would. Dave Bennett. Thank you so much for making yourself so accessible to us and the listeners here and people who absolutely love your music. Cannot wait to see you and hear you at uh, this weekend. Well, Thanks thank, so much. Thank you, Laura. DaveBennett.com is the website, and let me tell you, you're going to start binging on his music, and you're going to buy all his albums. We'll see. You, we'll see you this weekend, Dave. Thanks so much for coming.
3: See you then.
0: You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura.
1: Well, on the topic of homes, we have somebody here that is such an expert when it comes to all things with your house and uh, just the best tips you can imagine. He is a syndicated radio host of a very popular show called The Money Pit. Tom Kreitler's here. He's co host of it with his partner there. And it is so good to have you, and I think people absolutely love hearing about different tips for the home and keeping them safe. And now with all the energy costs and everything, we want to hear everything you have to say about making <laughs> this summer, yeah, getting our, our home ready for uh, the season of storms and the hot weather and everything else.
4: Well, you know, when you talk about uh, insulation, that really covers all of the energy-saving things that you can do in the category of least expensive and most effective, right? Um, and that's something that we should be thinking about in the summer as well as in the winter. In the winter, you know, we feel that chilly air and discomfort, which signals to our brains that we need to do something about it in the summer, it's all warm air, but it's still incredibly wasteful and drives our cooling bills through the roof. So I would suggest the first thing to take a look at is insulation. And when you look at insulation, you have to know that there's different types of insulation and they have different qualities depending on the insulation product. So, for example, Owens Corning has a product out now called Thermafiber Fire and SoundGuard Plus. Now, this is available at Lowe's and it's a mineral wool product that's made from natural ingredients. And it provides insulation with some enhanced benefits. With fire, moisture, and sound benefits. So, if you think about it, there are places in the house where that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're building a shower, you might want to use it there because it handles moisture. If you're going to be building an area around a fireplace or a furnace, it's heat resistant. And if you want a room just to be quiet, you know, we are all prioritizing our home offices these days and we need uh, to have them quiet. It's a great product to put in those walls to keep, cut down on street noise and household noise and, and, and that sort of thing. In fact, I use thermo to insulate the floor of my 130-year-old house, quite old, uh, because we had no insulation in there. And and what I discovered was when I had uh, put in a new heating system, because we had, uh, you know, most old houses have these big old cast iron boilers that throw off a lot of heat from their jackets before the heat even gets up to the radiators. Well, it was kind of, Uh, heating the underside of my floor was sort of a hundred year old radiant heating system you know, from the underside of the floor. And when we replaced it with a really efficient model, of course, the floors were cold. So we needed to insulate that space. And I did that with thermofiber because it was um, just uh, such an effective product to use uh, in an old house.
1: I know that. uh, Well, I just had a renovation two years ago, the house caught fire during it. Oh, no. No, exactly. And then so, you know, the, all the water that came in from the fire trucks and such, Uh, You know, forced us to kind of rip all the the drywall off and have to put in new insulation. And I was so happy to know that there were better, newer and better options. Remember the old days? My goodness, if we'd go up in the attic and accidentally like rub against the old insulation in the house and you'd come off feeling like you had glass all over you. I mean... (sighs)
4: Yeah, you know, and there's a new product out also by Owens Cording that is a a new type of fiberglass insulation. It's called Pink Next Gen. And what's really interesting about this stuff is it kind of has the consistency of like cotton candy. It's a longer fiber, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't do that anymore. It doesn't itch when you touch it. You know, it's not going to, when it gets in contact with your skin, you don't automatically feel like you have little pieces of glass all over you. So you're right. These products are getting better and they're getting easier, especially for us do-it-yourselfers to use.
1: And is that something that like uh, a, a contractor or even just personally, we can find in a home goods store or do we need to order that online?
4: No, you know, you find that at Lowe's, for example.
1: Okay. That's, yeah. You did say that. Okay. Well, so that's, that's
4: the cool. thermofiber, but really all the, all the Owens Corning products are, 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 are there. So, you know, another thing to look at is, is, is windows. Now in the summer, yeah. we get a lot of heat gain through the windows. And that happens if you don't have the right type of glass in the window. Now, Pella is very good at building windows. They have solutions that are going to always increase comfort and convenience and beauty, but they're also incredibly energy efficient. And if you were to replace single pane windows with Energy Star certified Pella windows, you can expect savings of between about $100 and $600 a year. And homeowners typically also will recoup about 70% of the cost of installation at the time of sale because it's such a valuable improvement you know, to add to your home. You can find them in double pane, triple pane, um, they even have some cool features. Like one I like, it's called hidden screen. The idea behind hidden screen is if you think about it, when you look out your window, you're not really looking out just through your window. You're looking out through your window and your screen. And that takes out some of the clarity and some of the brightness of the outside. Well, with hidden screens, the hidden screens reveal themselves when you open the window and then they disappear back into the sash when you close the window. So you never have that screen in the way.
1: That's incredible. That's great technology. And like you said, It really ends up being a money saver. People say, well, if I buy, you know, big name brand like Pella or something like that, it's going to be more money in the long run. You're saving. I just visited a a dear friend in New York and I stayed in her house and it's a two story, very old house. um, But, you know, they've had it for 30 years and she just was leaving the lights on and and things like that. Normal, like she always does every year. But when her bill came utilities (laughs) utilities <laughs> for electricity were three thousand dollars oh wow oh my gosh yeah. and i just think about how right now with the prices the way they are even across the whole country not just in new york um you know w- people really need to find ways to save and if it means getting a better window put in or something i'm all for it
4: yeah and then even with the lighting you know um my house, we have occupancy sensors. You know, I like, like many, like many kids grew up with parents that would always yell at us for leaving the lights on. You know, I I distinctly remember my father sternly turning the car around after he pulled out of our driveway because he noticed that some one kid (laughs) left the lights on, making us go back in and turn them off. Well, now we do that with technology, right? So occupancy sensors um, is what I use for my light switches. And all they do is they sense if somebody's in the room. So if nobody's in the room, there's no movement for whatever time you said, I think about five minutes or so, just turns the lights off. So we don't have to uh, have that discussion anymore with kids.
1: <laughs> it's, it, it's so true. My mother still follows me around. And if I leave, a, you know, a light on and a cover boy, she's right behind me. Out She comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. It scares me half <laughs> to death. But yeah, I totally get it. So many great tips you have. Do you have a good website to go to or can people tune into your show? What What's yeah. what's a, a, a way to sure. find yeah. you, Tom Kreitler?
4: Yeah, just go to moneypit.com slash podcast. You can grab our podcast there no matter where you are in the country or you can listen to a local radio station. Uh, also, if you have a question about your home, you can always go to moneypit.com slash ask. Now you'll get a little blue microphone button that pops up. And when you click on that, you can record a question to us and then we'll answer it And next time we record the show.
1: That is so fantastic. Moneypit.com slash podcasts and money moneypit.com slash ask. And ask them any question you want and get all these fantastic answers. Tom Kreitler, thanks so much for joining us today on my radio show, The Way Home.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Great to have you. We'll be right back. Welcome
0: back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, I feel better already between my three-minute practice of gain, the gratitude, the acceptance, the intention, and the non-judgment. I just feel so better already so much better already and then of course hearing the wonderful music of dave bennett but you know what else makes me feel better our wonderful happy good news stories from you jim what do you have for us this week
0: well lj as a mom i'm sure you recall those wonderful days fond memories when hannah was little and you gave her birthday parties and all her friends were there the excitement the ambience right well for this texas girl a little girl Her birthday party was actually saved recently. I mean, it was almost to to the point of despair. Let me tell you what happened. The story unfolds at a local burger joint somewhere in the Texas community, and her mom, Lex Fitzgerald, was inviting some friends of hers to come to the party. Well, they were there, all set, ready to go, decorations and everything. Just one little problem here. Willow was excited. Nobody showed up. They couldn't get one guest. You can imagine the desperation on her mom's face, Lex. What to do, she's thinking. Aha, here, the power of social media, of course, we're in that time of the of our generation, right? Well, what happened was Lex decided to get on a local group's Facebook page and try to invite a few friends so they can come celebrate her birthday, Willis. Well, within mere minutes, she thought there were going to be a few people coming practically the whole community showed up. I mean, this must have been a big block party type of atmosphere. It must have been in the hundreds or something. The kids, and their families, they brought paper hats, balloons, presents, the whole nine yards. What a birthday party it is. And Lex was just absolutely overwhelmed with the response. I mean, you just can imagine the smile in everybody's faces. And Willa had to be excited because, I mean, it, it almost did not happen. It could have been the birthday that wasn't, right? Well, because of, again, the power of social media, they got this big crowd. And Lex later wrote on the group's Facebook page, I'm so grateful thank you to the community for showing up will is just so excited um, just thank you from the bottom of my heart because uh, I mean I don't know how will it is uh, how old she is she's little but I can almost guarantee you in five years from now 10 15 20 30 years from now this is a birthday party she will never forget
1: oh that's wonderful boy that there could be nothing sadder than if someone didn't show up and then what happens, the whole community shows. That's love, and that's community, and that's uh, being good to one another and uh, seeing another's need and fulfilling it. Thank you for that. I feel better even more than I was before, Jim. I do, I too. I appreciate it. I need <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Well, that's something to be grateful for, for sure. Once again, it's been a, a, just beautiful to be with all of you. And uh, try to remember your, your gain without pain. And, and live these wonderful steps for a real balanced life going forward. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Bob. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Way Home. Lots of love. I'm Laura Smith.